Chapter Seven of Margaret Fuller, Marquesa Ossoli, by Julia Ward Howe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Farewell to Boston. Engagement to write for the New York Tribune. Margaret in her new surroundings. Mr. Greeley's opinion of Margaret's work. Her estimate of George Sand. When Margaret stepped for the last time across the threshold of her mother's home she must have had the rare comfort of knowing that she had done everything in her power to promote the highest welfare of those who with her had shared its shelter the children of the household had grown up under her fostering care nor had she in any flight of her vivid imagination forgotten the claims and needs of brothers sister or mother so closely indeed had she felt herself bound by the necessity of doing what was best for each and all that her literary work had not in any degree corresponded to her own desires her written and spoken word had indeed carried with it a quickening power for good but she had not been able so much as to plan one of the greater works which she considered herself bound to produce and which could neither have been conceived nor carried out without ample command of time and necessary conditions in a letter written to one of her brothers at this time margaret says if our family affairs could now be so arranged that i might be tolerably tranquil for the next six or eight years i should go out of life better satisfied with the page i have turned in it than i shall if i must still toil on a noble career is yet before me if i can be unimpeded by cares i have given almost all my young energies to personal relations but at present i feel inclined to impel the general stream of thought let my nearest friends also wish that i should now take share in more public life the opening now found for margaret in new york though fortunate was by no means fortuitous she had herself prepared the way thereunto by her good work in the dial in that cheerless editorial seat she may sometimes like the lady of shalott have sighed to see sir lancelot ride careless by or with the spirit of an unrecognized prophet she may have exclaimed who hath believed our report but her word had found one who could hear it to some purpose mr greeley had been from the first a reader of this periodical and had recognized the fresh thought and new culture which gave it character his attention was first drawn to margaret by an essay of hers published in the july number of eighteen forty three and entitled the great lawsuit man versus men woman versus women this essay which at a later date expanded into the volume known as woman in the nineteenth century struck mr greeley as the production of an original vigorous and earnest mind margaret's summer on the lakes appeared also in the dial somewhat later and was considered by mr greeley as unequalled especially in its pictures of the prairies and of the sunnier aspects of pioneer life convinced of the literary ability of the writer he gave ear to a suggestion of mrs greeley and in accordance with her wishes and with his own judgment extended to her the invitation already spoken of as accepted this invitation and the arrangement to which it led admitted margaret not only to the columns of the tribune but also to the home of its editor in which she continued to reside during the period of her connection with the paper this home was a spacious old-fashioned house on the banks of the east river 
completely secluded by the adjacent trees and garden but within easy reach of new york by car and omnibus margaret came there in december eighteen forty four and was at once struck with the beauty of the scene and charmed with the aspect of the antiquated dwelling which had once no doubt been the villa of some magnate of old new york if the outside world of the time troubled itself at all about the greeley household it must have considered it in the light of a happy family of eccentrics upon the personal peculiarities of mr greeley we need not here enlarge they were of little account in comparison with the character of the man who himself deserved the name which he gave to his paper and was at heart a tribune of the people mrs greeley was herself a woman of curious theories and it is probable that margaret in her new surroundings found herself obliged in a certain degree to represent the conventional side of life which her host and hostess were inclined to disregard by mr greeley's own account there were differences between margaret and himself regarding a great variety of subjects including the use of tea and coffee which he eschewed and to which she adhered and the emancipation of women to which mr greeley proposed to attach as a condition the abrogation of such small courtesies as are shown the sex to-day while margaret demanded a greater deference as a concomitant of the larger liberty mr greeley at first determined to keep beyond the sphere of margaret's fascination and to burn no incense at her shrine she appeared to him somewhat spoiled by the oriental adoration which she received from other women themselves persons of character and of culture her foibles impressed him as much as did the admirable qualities which he was forced to recognize in her vain resolution living under the same roof with margaret he could not but come to know her and knowing her he had no choice but to join the throng of her admirers to him as to others the blemishes at first discerned took on new and brighter aspects in the light of her radiant and lofty soul i learned said mr greeley to know her as a most fearless and unselfish champion of truth and human good at all hazards ready to be their standard-bearer through danger and obloquy and if need be their martyr mr greeley bears witness also to the fact that this ready spirit of self-sacrifice in margaret did not spring either from any aestheticism of temperament or from an undervaluation of material advantages margaret he thinks appreciated fully all that riches rank and luxury could give she prized all of these in their place but prized far above them all the opportunity to serve and help her fellow-creatures the imperative drill of press-work was new and somewhat irksome to her she was accustomed indeed to labour in season and out of season and in doing so to struggle with bodily pain and weariness but to take up the pen at the word of command without the interior bidding of the divine afflatus was a new necessity and one to which she found it difficult to submit mr greeley prized her work highly though with some drawbacks he could not always command it at will for the reason that she could not he found her writing however terse vigorous and practical and considered her contributions to the tribune more solid in merit though less ambitious in scope than her essays written earlier for the dial margaret herself esteemed them but moderately 
feeling that she had taken up this new work at a time when her tired faculties needed rest and recreation in a brief memorial of margaret mr greeley gives us the titles of the most important of these papers they are as follows thomas hood edgar a poe capital punishment cassius m clay new year's day christmas thanksgiving st valentine's fourth of july the first of august which she commemorates as the anniversary of slave emancipation in the british west indies in looking over the volumes which contain these and many others of margaret's collected papers we are carried back to a time in which issues now long settled were in the early stages of their agitation and in which many of those whom we now most revere in memory were living actors on the stage of the century's life hawthorne and longfellow were then young writers the second series of mr emerson's essay is noticed as of recent publication at the time of her writing it would seem that mr emerson had a larger circle of readers in england than in his own country she accounts for this on the ground that our people heated by a partisan spirit necessarily occupied in these first stages by bringing out the material resources of the land not generally prepared by early training for the enjoyment of books that require attention and reflection are still more injured by a large majority of writers and speakers who lend all their efforts to flatter corrupt tastes and mental indolence she permits us however to hail as an auspicious omen the influence mr emerson has obtained in new england which she recognizes as deep-rooted and over the younger part of the community far greater than that of any other person she is glad to introduce robert browning as the author of bells and pomegranates to the american public mrs browning was then miss barrett in regard of whom margaret rejoices that her task is mainly to express a cordial admiration and says that she cannot hesitate to rank her in vigor and nobleness of conception depth of spiritual experience and command of classic allusion above any female writer the world has yet known in those poems of hers which emulate milton and dante her success is far below what we find in the poems of feeling and experience for she has the vision of a great poet but little in proportion of his classic power margaret has much to say concerning george sand and under various heads in her work on woman she gives the rationale of her strange and anomalous appearance and is at once very just and very tender in her judgments george sand was then in the full bloom of her reputation the light and the shade of her character as known to the public were at the height of their contrast to the literary merit of her work was added the interest of a mysterious personality which rebelled against the limits of sex and not content to be either man or woman touched with a new and strange protest the imagination of the time the inexorable progress of events has changed this with so much else youth beauty sex all imperial in their day are discrowned by the dusty hand of time and ranged in the gallery of things that were george sand's volumes still glow and sparkle on the bookshelf but george sand's personality and her passions are dim visions of the past and touch us no longer 
when margaret wrote of her the woman was at the zenith of her power and the intoxication of her influence was so great that a calm judgment concerning it was difficult like a wild bacchante she led her chorus of bold spirits through the formal ways of french society which in her view were bristling with pruriency and veiled with hypocrisy like margaret's her cry was truth at all hazards but hers was not the ideal truth which margaret followed so zealously so vile are men so weak are women so ruthless is passion were the utterances of her sincerity mistress of the revels she did indeed command a new unmasking at the banquet thoughtless of the risk of profaning innocent imaginations with sad facts which they had no need to know and which shown by such a master of art and expression might bear with them the danger fabled in the mingled beauty and horror of the gorgon's head george sand was saved by the sincerity of her intention her sonambulic utterances had told of her good faith and of her belief in things truly human and divine her revolutionary indignation was against the really false and base and her progress was to a position from which she was able calmly to analyze and loftily to repudiate the disorders in which she was supposed to have lost for a time the sustaining power of reason and self-command to those of us who remember these things in the vividness of their living presence it is most satisfactory to be assured of the excellence of margaret's judgment the great frenchwoman at the period of which we write appeared to many the incarnation of all the evil which her sex could represent to those of opposite mind she appeared the inspired prophetess of a new era of thought and of sentiment to margaret she was neither the one nor the other much as she loved genius that of george sand could not blind her to the faults and falsities that marred her work stern idealist as she was the most objectionable part of madame sand's record could not move her to a moment's injustice or uncharity in her regard in woman in the nineteenth century margaret says george sand smokes wears male attire wishes to be addressed as mon frere perhaps if she found those who were as brothers indeed she would not care whether she were brother or sister and concerning her writings this author beginning like many an assault upon bad institutions and external ills yet deepening the experience through comparative freedom sees at last that the only efficient remedy must come from individual character the mind of the age struggles confusedly with these problems better discerning as yet the ill it can no longer bear than the good by which it may supersede it but women like sand will speak now and cannot be silenced their characters and their eloquence alike foretell an era when such as they shall easier learn to lead true lives but though such forebode not such shall be parents of it those who would reform the world must show that they do not speak in the heat of wild impulse their lives must be unstained by passionate error they must be religious students of the divine purpose with regard to man if they would not confound the fancies of a day with the requisitions of eternal good so much for the woman sand as known to margaret through her works and by hearsay 
of the writer she first knew through her seven strings of the lyre a rhapsodic sketch margaret prizes in this the knowledge of the passions and of social institutions with the celestial choice which was above them in the romances andre and jacques she traces the same high morality of one who had tried the liberty of circumstance only to learn to appreciate the liberty of law though the sophistry of passion in these books disgusted me flowers of purest hue seemed to grow upon the dark and dirty ground i thought she had cast aside the slough of her past life and begun a new existence beneath the sun of a new ideal the lettres d'un voyageur seemed to margaret shallow the work of a frail woman mourning over her lot but when consuelo appears she feels herself strengthened in her first interpretation of george sand's true character and takes her stand upon the original nobleness and love of right which even the wild impulses of her fiery blood were never able entirely to oversweep of the work itself she says to many women this picture will prove a true consuelo consolation and we think even very prejudiced men will not read it without being charmed with the expansion sweetness and genuine force of a female character such as they have not met but must when painted recognize as possible and may be led to review their opinions and perhaps to elevate and enlarge their hopes as to woman's sphere and woman's mission End of chapter eight